0: This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. Happy Good Friday. Barbecue, blues, and bourbon. Washington, Missouri has it all. We'll tell you about a festival they have coming up. And when I say wild turkey, I'm not talking about bourbon, but the National Wild Turkey Foundation is moving more of its operation to the state. The Truman Library and Museum just underwent a major renovation. Sandy Selby from Missouri Life magazine will be along to share some interesting stories about President Harry Truman. But first, two hiring events are coming up on the 12th in Jefferson City. Alisa Nelson will tell us about both. She's with Sierra Harden of Modat to talk about their needs and some of the perks that go with working with MoDOT. And then Elisa will have Teresa Mello and Megan Thomas from the Missouri Office of Administration about a separate event on the same day, the 12th.
1: Missouri Department of Transportation, you know, our mission is to provide a world-class transportation system that is safe, innovative, reliable, um, and dedicated to prosperous uh, Missouri. So, you know, our goal is to make sure Missourians and Everybody who visits Missouri um, is safely um, traveling through the state of Missouri. Um, And we do this by managing and using resources wisely. And uh, we can deliver the best possible value to Missouri taxpayers when we are uh, serving Missouri. So let's talk about this big hiring event that's going on.
2: Where is it going to be? When is it going to be?
1: Yeah, so this um, big hiring event is going to be Wednesday, April the 12th at the Capitol Mall. It's located at 3600 Country Club Drive in Jefferson City. It's just basically bringing state agencies together um, all in one location, you know, giving individuals uh, the opportunity to explore the many jobs uh, that the state of Missouri has to offer, um, you know, and that's whether you want to advance in your career or you're just starting out.
2: So talk to me about some of the positions that are currently open with MoDOT. What kind of positions do you have?
1: Yeah. So the positions that we have available at MoDOT, um, you know, there are many uh, positions, various positions. Um, and with those positions that we have to offer, um, just to name a few, we have um, technician positions like financial services where you only have to have like a high school diploma or a GED. Um, we also have our structural um, technician positions, which is in our bridge division, where where you only have to have an associate's degree um, in civil engineering technology or drafting um, or any related field. And that's just the minimum requirements. And then we also have equipment technicians where you have to have an associate's degree in automotive. And we call this like our mechanic test um, me- mechanic positions. Um, and so, you know, degree in uh, associate's degree in automotive technology, auto mechanics or diesel mechanics, and also a valid driver's a Class A commercial driver's license. Um, We also have maintenance workers positions where you can come right out of high school or have a GED with a valid driver's license and then also just a passing grade on your written CDL exam to start.
2: What can folks expect when they go to this hiring event?
1: You know, so basically what people can expect from the agencies um, and the organizations, um, just from that perspective, um, they can expect to see the variety of jobs that are available through the state and have the opportunity to network with one another. Um, From the perspective of the job seeker, um, they will be welcomed by robust and enthusiastic groups of state employees who are passionate about helping others, you know, find careers within the state. And there will also be an on-site interviews, games, great swag items and you know there will also be um, a headshot station between 4 to 5 p.m. where individuals can also get a professional headshot taken
2: all right hey
1: That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Should they get all glamour shotted up or, you know, (laughs) professional attire, you know, you know, that's just basically it, you know, and it's just a great opportunity, you know, that you don't really get to have that opportunity or experience. And it's something that's so needed when you're using like social media platforms and you want to have a great, you know, headshot on your platform. So I think that that it's a great opportunity to have this from 4 to 5 p.m.
2: Big hiring event for the state of Missouri is coming up. Joining Show Me today is MODOT's Sierra Hardin. As far as you said dress professionally, anything else that you think participants need to know to prepare and maybe, um, you know, better their
1: chances of getting a job? Yeah. So aside from making sure you're dressed professionally from head to toe, having copies of your updated resume with contact information and being prepared for an interview, you know, wear your smile and just be confident. You know, people often feel intimidated by employers um, or events such as this. Um, but when you know what you're searching for and what skills and experiences you have to offer, it's important just to be confident and allowing that to show uh, as you're with employers. What kind of benefits uh, could they expect? So, you know, with MoDOT, we have various benefits. And one of the ones that I love to talk about is our work-life balance, um, where it is a 40-hour work week. And there's also individuals where the schedules are flexible. So some individuals may work from 730 to 4. Others may work from 8 to 430. It's just that work-life balance. And then also we have options where you can telework, you know, work from home. Is this an event where, like, you're prepared to hire on the spot? Now, there may be some agencies who are hiring on the spot, but I think, you know, others, they are just doing the interviews and, you know, going through that application process and just, you know, making sure that individuals have the um, proper requirements. Anything else that we haven't talked about that you think is important to mention about this big hiring event going on? April 12th. There's going to be so many uh, state agencies out here at the Capitol Mall, and so you know, just be prepared to. And like I said, be confident um, and just know what you're searching for. And we're we're happy to to have you. And hopefully, you know, we can get some people hired. There, you know, there's no RSVP. You just kind of just show up, you know, mm-hmm. but I would encourage individuals to go out to the Mo Career site and see what positions are out of where are available, you know, um, so that you can kind of have an idea of, you know, what jobs you're looking for and what agencies you want to talk to. All
2: right, so give me the details, that web address one more time, and then also the when and the where of the hiring event.
1: Yes, so the the hiring event is Wednesday, April the 12th at Capitol Mall, located at 3600 uh, Country Club Drive in Jefferson City, Missouri, and that's from 2 to 6 p.m.
2: There's a big hiring event coming up for the state of Missouri. We have Teresa Mello and Megan Thomas with the Missouri Office of Administration joining Show Me Today to talk about the event. Uh, I want to start off with you, Teresa. When and where will this hiring event be?
3: April 12th from 2 to 6 in the center of the Capitol Mall. We are working to recruit new team members by gathering all the state departments in one location. It makes it easier for the job seeker and uh, to meet with those recruiters. OA is in support of all departments statewide, and with putting our efforts together, we are able to host this amazing event.
2: All right. So let's go over to Megan, Megan Thomas here to talk about what can folks expect if they plan to participate in this event.
4: They can anticipate high energy lots of fun live broadcasting games and prizes we have at least 14 agencies conducting on-site interviews we have partnered with workforce development job center to offer assistance with registering we also have an opportunity for resume support and tips to make the job seeker experience a positive one
2: so what should they what should people wear what should they bring with them if they come to this event Teresa?
3: Yeah, great question. Uh, Business casual is always best, but we are in a world where come as you are is more welcoming and accepted. Yeah, come with
4: a goal in mind. Be yourself, be personable, and be confident. Now,
2: is this completely in person, or is there a virtual option to this? Let's go with you, Teresa.
3: Yeah, so this is in person, um, and we Have a goal in the future to have virtual career fairs for those who cannot make it into, you know, the general area of Jefferson City. So, yeah, in person for now. Okay.
2: A big hiring event is coming up for the state of Missouri. Teresa Mello and Megan Thomas join Show Me Today to talk about the upcoming event. Remind me again, April 12th, 2 to 6 p.m. here in Jefferson City at the, the Capitol Mall, right? Is that Are those the yes. high points? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Does that mean, since there will be like on-the-spot interviews, does that mean there's going to be on-the-spot hiring as well in, in some
4: cases? Megan, do you want to go with this question? Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, we will be having on-site interviews, and some agencies will participate in offering jobs on-site, So let's talk about if a person's hired, can they
2: expect to get benefits right away? And what do those benefits look like? Megan, let's go with you.
4: Let's be honest. State holiday is one of the biggest perks about working for the state. We observe 13 paid holidays. Along with the holidays, we offer health, dental and vision, three weeks of vacation and sick leave per year, six weeks of maternity leave and three weeks of paternity leave. And many positions offer flexible work options.
2: And then I want you to add, I want to give you the option to add to that, Teresa.
3: Yeah, so we will have our retirement system represented at the, at the event, Mosher's, and our healthcare plan providers, uh, Missouri Consolidated Healthcare Plan. They will be there to answer questions for all job seekers who you know, are interested in working for the state of Missouri so that they'll be able to assist with any of those inquiries on if they get benefits the first day and all that.
2: Okay, great. Um, So where can our Show Me Today listeners find out more about this hiring event?
4: On our website, mocareers.mo.gov, And if you um, scroll down just a little bit, you'll see our statewide hiring event banner. And if you click on that, that will take you to our Facebook event where you can get a lot more information and um, details. Any other places that uh, they can find out about
2: this?
3: Our LinkedIn page, I believe, is highlighting. um, It's really feeding back to the Mo Careers website. Uh, Most of our social sites will do that.
2: Thanks for having a a website that people can remember, (laughs) (laughs) mocareers.mo.gov. That is so crucial, you know, as you're driving down the highway. How are you going to remember that? Is there anything else there? So this is on April 12th uh, in Jefferson City. It's from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Capitol Mall. Anything else you want our Show Me Today audience to know before we wrap this up? I'm going to go with you, Teresa.
3: Yeah so this is a great opportunity to find a job that fits you. you know uh, multiple departments that will be there with a variety of opportunities such as social service specialists, administrative support, information technology, and even customer service. So it's just it's gonna be great. I'm Elisa Nelson. This is Show Me Today, The Voice
2: of Missouri. Matthew
1: uh, Oh sorry.
2: it's okay. I just need
5: you
6: to listen to me.
1: I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you, and what you say really does matter to me.
6: I mean,
3: let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care.
7: For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.
3: All the talks we've had over the years,
9: loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro.
1: I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so accident avoided. But no car should be in the blind spot a 40,000 pound bus. It's It's our roads, roads. it's It's
4: our our safety.
7: safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.
4: Hi, Grandma. Can you come over for dinner? Sure. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! If anyone ever does, I want you to say, no, I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble.
3: I promise, Grandma.
7: They really do hear you. For tips on what to say, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.
9: Welcome back
0: to Show Me Today, Barbecue, Blues, Music, and Good Local Bourbon. The 20th Washington, Missouri Barbecue and Blues Fest is returning the last weekend of April. Cameron Connor is with Nicole Orman to get a layout for the festival.
6: This festival has actually evolved over the past 20 years. Uh, So this is the 20th annual, as it's known now, Washmo Barbecue and Blues Fest. Um, It began in 2004 under the name Downtown Washington Blues Fest, so it was mostly just the music component of that. Um, Over the years, it's had a car show attached to it, a bike show attached. In 2009, we added the barbecue competition, and then, um, yeah, this year we'll be celebrating the 20th annual Washmo Barbecue and Blues Fest.
10: 20th annual. Okay, that's a lot of barbecue and that's a lot of blues. That's uh that's two things that I'm here for. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I'm glad to see that it evolve or it evolved like that over the years and congratulations on the 20th annual. First, so talking about the addition of the barbecue competition, who who judges it? How many people can compete? What what's the information on that?
6: This is actually a Kansas City Barbecue Society sanctioned competition. Um, We have anywhere from 30 to 45 barbecue teams, and they really come from all over. Our winner a couple years ago was from Wisconsin, um, you know, East Coast, West Coast, so we have quite a variety of teams, and then there are certified judges that come to taste um, all the meats that they turn in and then we have an award ceremony Saturday afternoon where everyone gets ribbons and trophies, so it's a really fun event.
7: Wow, yeah,
10: what a fun time, and obviously Kansas City, Missouri barbecue has quite the reputation not only in Missouri but across the entire nation, so it's definitely a good society to be backing it, that's for sure. When, when you talk about how you sandwich this together with the blues music, who's, who are the bands that are coming to this event this year? Are there any people that are returning? What about the music side?
6: Lately, we've been keeping a lot of our bands and then introducing about one new performer every year. Um, So last year, we welcomed in Amanda Fish. She is the headliner on Saturday night. This year, Joe Metzka is new, and he's out of the St. Louis area. Um, He'll be on Friday night from 7.30 to 10 p.m. We also have Brian Curran returning, Kingdom Brothers, Paul Cockrum, in the Bag Lunch Blues Band.
10: Okay. Okay, great. Okay, I'm curious, for for yourself, is this the first time that you've been a part of putting this thing on, or have you been involved for quite a few years?
6: Um, I've been here at Downtown Washington, Inc. for four years, and um, we didn't have one of these in 2020, unfortunately, so this is the third festival that I've been a part of planning.
10: Okay. Okay, awesome. And the reason I ask is because I'm assuming you get a lot of the fixes, right? Like you you get to try a lot of these barbecues and stuff. Or <laughs> how does that work?
6: Only after the judging, we have to keep it above board. <laughs>
10: oh, okay, only after the judging, but you still you yes, still have yes. the in, you still have the inside connections, right?
6: <laughs> yes, that is one of the perks.
10: <laughs> okay, well that's good. Talk about your experience in helping design this festival every year, because I'm assuming in some way, shape, or form you're trying to make it bigger and better every year, kind of like we've been talking about. Yes. Yeah, so how has that been like for you? What's it like to collaborate and put on a festival like this?
6: One of the main feedbacks that we've gotten from attendees over the past couple of years has been, you know, barbecues in the title, um, but the barbecue competition isn't necessarily accessible to your average attendee, so we've been trying to make more food options available and really turn it into a food festival. Um, So this year, it's shaping up to be a big food festival. We have a full food court with a ton of barbecue options, and then the streets, Main and Elm Streets, will be lined with other vendors um, and a lot of food vendors there, too. So we have salsa, chocolate, sausage, brats, gooey butter cupcakes, honey, uh, chestnut syrups, and old-fashioned licorice.
10: And for those of you just now tuning in curious about this fantastic festival that we're talking about, this is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with Nicole Orman, the graphics and design assistant for Downtown Washington Mo. Inc., and we're talking about the 2023 Washmo Barbecue and Blues Fest that's going to be going on. As far as the, the general information for anyone that wants to travel that way to Washington, Nicole, Can you give me when it is, where it is, how to get tickets? Do you have to sign up ahead of time? What about that information?
6: The festival will be held April 28th through the 30th. So it's a three-day festival, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. uh, Friday from 5 to 10 p.m., Saturday 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., and Sunday 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. It is free to enter, free parking. Um, There will be vendors, a food court, um, and that's all available for purchase of course. And new for the past couple of years, we have two additional ticketed experiences that you can uh, choose to participate in. So, we have the Whiskey Walk and Roll on Saturday from 1 to 5 p.m., that's $25 a ticket. And then we have the barbecue, bacon, and bourbon tasting. That's Sunday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., and it's $25 a ticket as well. Um, You can purchase those tickets at downtownwashmo.org. Okay.
10: Okay. When when you said bourbon tasting, I think anyone that has any sort of interest in that perked up a little bit. So you're going to have to give me some information yes. about that as well. What's uh, are the are these local bourbons? Are you bringing these in from just kind of like a regional area? What what what's the bourbon side of this whole thing?
6: These are all um, distilleries in our area, so within a 45 minute drive. Um, So we have the Whiskey Walk and Roll on Saturday actually features 12 area distilleries. Each one is partnered with a local shop on Main or Elm Street. And so if you buy a $25 ticket, you get to go to each of those places and try their spirits at each location. And then on Sunday... um, it will actually be barbecue, bacon, and bourbon, so hopefully a little bit of savory food, some dessert, and then some bourbon to go with it.
10: Okay, fantastic. Well, once again, for anyone listening here today, we are talking with Nicole orman. she's the graphics and design assistant for for downtown Washington mo Inc and we're talking about the twenty twenty three Washington mo barbecue and blues fest it kicks off for the last weekend of april so it's going to be kicking off friday april 28th and it goes till sunday april 30th it's barbecue it's blues it's also bourbon it's a lot of great reasons to go down there and also a lot of other great delicious vendors and local foods and everything like that nicole thank you so much for your time here and sharing this on show me today Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s.
2: Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions.
3: Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth.
10: And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices
11: with appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media.
10: Many kids think vaping is
7: harmless, but it's not.
5: So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you.
7: For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
11: Email from school. about the incident today?
3: It's scary.
11: Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on?
3: None i mean you saw derek at the game last night too did you have a clue
11: no but you know teachers like me parents we don't always know as much as you guys do kids hear first about what's going on with other kids
3: half the time
11: it's rumors it can be hard to tell sometimes but if you have a concern about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol prescription drugs bullying violence anything you need to tell an adult mom or me a teacher coach school counselor
0: We're back on Show Me Today, the Voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack, The Harry S. Truman Presidential Library and Museum uh, recently got a facelift, got some renovations done. And Sandy Selby from Missouri Life Magazine, uh, this is a place that's uh, you certainly cover extensively and, and know a lot about. Um, talk about the the renovations. Is it a long time coming. Was it in disrepair? What was going on? Just a little uh, spruce up.
8: Yeah, it, 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 well, it was more than a spruce up. You know, it was, uh, opened in 1957 and was a wonderful facility, but they have incorporated so much new technology now. Um, the exhibits are interactive and interesting. I'm, I'm a real history nerd. So, I mean, for me, just walking in and looking at artifacts is fun, but not everybody is engaged by that. And they have found a way to, really get people interested and excited about this history in so many different ways. So whether you like to see things on video or you like to see the artifacts or you want some hands-on experiences, it's kind of all all there now.
0: President Truman had... uh an amazing presidency, from the standpoint of the things that that he had to make decisions on, and, and things that he walked into, because he wasn't vice president very long before the job kind of got thrown into his lap.
8: No, just a just a few months. And and what I thought was fascinating and and terrifying from his perspective was that when he became president, the day he became president was the first time he learned that. The United States has developed an atomic bomb. He didn't know that that was underway, and so then, in the next four months, he had to make the decision to drop that bomb. Yeah. Um, so it was a, uh, and that I think was was the part of the museum that got to me the most. From the time he became president, they actually have kind of this hallway you go down to, and it narrows. Every month, you know, they have artifacts and information for every month that passes between his inauguration and the the time when the bomb is dropped in Japan. And that hallway narrows and narrows and narrows. And then you get to the end and there's just two artifacts. There's a, a button or kind of a safety button that was removed from one of the bombs that dropped and there's a tiny little origami crane that was made by a child who eventually died from radiation poisoning. So, I mean, that just hits you.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that the library and the museum, that they touch on, on both sides of the war.
8: They do, oh. and and they, they really are very fair about, how complicated these decisions were, the you know the and and explain what the situation was in the world, what what the outcome would have been if he hadn't dropped the bomb and the loss of life that would have occurred. and and so it's really causes you to think about things that maybe you hadn't considered and puts that time and history in perspective
0: sandy selby from missouri life magazine joining us talking about the truman presidential library and museum in independence uh you know going back to that decision that president truman made and you being a history buff has there been discussion had had roosevelt stayed uh had continued to be the, the president um would would that decision to drop the bomb would that was that inevitable? Um, would it have been delayed? Would it have come sooner? Has any of that ever been discussed or debated?
8: I'm sure it has, and I, I don't know that they cover it there, but you know they were developing that technology, so it was being considered, certainly, even before the the transition. But I suspect that the outcome would have been the same, but I guess we'll never know on yeah, that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And President Truman, he uh, enlisted, he was in World War 1. So uh that that must have weighed heavily on on his decision making.
8: It did. You know, the World War 1 section of the museum is very interesting and they have a film there that um uh, that you really learn about. That that's kind of where he developed his leadership ability was was leading young men in in World War 1 and he went in as not the most popular guy and and you know he the his men loved him they they came to love him and respect him and and follow him and uh, i think that that that's where he learned a lot of the skills that he eventually put into place as president
0: april 12 1945 he gets sworn in and a lot of people didn't know much about this farm boy from missouri did they
8: they sure didn't, and they were pretty skeptical that he could do the job. Of, you know, what did he know about being president? And I think he probably would have said the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, he um, he was a straight shooter. We know that. And um, he wasn't, it wasn't without complications. And actually his approval rating by the time he left the presidency was pretty darn low. But history looks back on him as one of our great leaders who made some um, difficult choices and decisions that turned out to be the right ones.
0: And then Truman had some controversy. Does the museum touch on, there was some controversy with uh, some of his comments on segregation. I mean, the museum does cover that stuff, doesn't it?
8: It does. It does. So, you know, he was um, um, kind of wanted to end segregation. He, um, there were other things that, you know, with, um, with communism and, and with uh, social programs and all sorts of issues that he was facing in his presidency, well beyond the complications of World War II, that they touch on and they don't shy away from. And, uh, you know, the, the Korean conflict, that really became a, a real sticking point with a lot of, people and that kind of tanked his approval rating. But he he owned it and he he went ahead and led the country in the best way he could.
0: Sandy Selby with Missouri Life magazine joining us here. We're talking about President Harry S. Truman and his museum and library in independence. I, I don't know if you could rank all of the all of the presidents, but when you look at the conflicts and the things that he had to deal with, he's gotta be high on the list of uh, tumultuous times, tough decisions. I mean, I certainly think you put you know probably Abraham Lincoln yes. up there at the top, but he's got to be. I don't know. Would you say top five in terms of presidents that had to had I, to deal with a lot of stuff?
8: I, I I believe they've even ranked that, and yes, he is. He is uh, well regarded among presidents now as one of the the best leaders that we've ever had. And I think his library is one of the best presidential libraries out there. It's a um, beautiful facility and, of course, state-of-the-art now. And now the the new presidential libraries, um, Obama and Trump libraries, are digital. They they aren't facilities like this one. So uh, I think that we have something very special, and there's probably not going to be a lot more like them.
0: Yeah, if you uh, make the trip to the museum and the library, how much time could you expect to to spend there? And um, if you want to bring your kids along, how old should the kids be? Somebody should really take a trip here because it is a fascinating place.
8: You know, maybe little bitty kids wouldn't be too interested, but they do have some interesting hands-on things that, um, you know, children 10 or 11 would probably enjoy and older. I spend hours and hours. (laughs) But I think that you can go at your own pace there. You could probably get a good overview in an hour. But, you know, I would give it two or three to just really explore the museum.
0: You know, it's kind of a shame now that things are virtual or digital. I don't know. There's just something about walking around and I don't know, maybe that's just us being old. But I I think you kind of lose something by just uh, having a, a virtual museum.
8: Well, I think you do, too. And the way that they've done this, I mean, the some of the films that during the World War II era, one of the films is shown on pieces of debris from a building, you know, broken pieces of concrete. So so you're getting that whole feeling of the place even without the film. And then the film just enhances it. So so those are things that you really just cannot get looking on a computer screen you, you have to be there and and get that kind of all senses involved
0: sandy selby with missouri life magazine missourilife.com uh check out the website and uh check out her article wild about harry a uh, spectacular renovation of the harry s truman presidential library and museum sandy great to catch up with you again thank
8: you so much
0: this is show me today the voice of missouri
8: meet ed
7: Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.
4: Women hear a lot about self-care these days. Advice on ways to relax, exercise, eat healthy, and more. Those are all great. But one of the most important self-care steps we can take is making sure we're financially secure later in life. That means saving money for retirement. It's never too late to start. And it's the kind of self-care that brings peace of mind that lasts. For small steps you can take to save for retirement, visit wesaysaveit.org. That's we say saveit.org, a message from AARP and the Ad Council.
0: A Shiro's work is never done. You care for the house, the kids, and our future. We're so grateful for all you do. Now it's time to care for yourself and save a little more for retirement. A free three-minute online
7: chat can give you the personalized tips you need to boost your retirement savings
8: now.
1: Visit
7: aceuretirement.org
1: today. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Talking to your kids about the
12: dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? (gasps) Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit
9: TalkAboutVaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council.
4: Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved?
7: Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking?
4: If you answered yes to any of these questions, you
1: are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and
7: friends are suffering too.
1: Al-Anon,
9: Al-Anon and Alateen
7: can help. Call
9: 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org/help.
0: This is Show Me Today. I'm Bill Pollack. The National Wild Turkey Federation is moving more of its operation to the Show Me State. Spokesman David Gladkowski talks with Ashley Byrd about their plans.
12: This is our 50-year anniversary. So we've been delivering our mission, which is the conservation of the wild turkey and the preservation of our hunting heritage for the last 50 years. And so this is a monumental year for us. It's about looking back on all the volunteers all the partnerships that have made this possible, but also it's just about just as much about looking forward to the future of all the great stuff that we have going on. Um, just, just some little tidbits of information to date, we've conserved or enhanced over 22 million acres of wildlife habitat. We've allocated almost $9 million to critical wild Turkey research, which is becoming increasingly important. Um, we've recruited over 1.5 million new hunters um, as, con- as hunters are the back of conservation efforts throughout America. Um, we've opened access to public hunting on over 700,000 acres. And so all this wouldn't it be possible, like I said, without our dedicated volunteers throughout the country in Missouri, um, the surrounding states, all, all, the, all states in the U.S. Uh, that have uh, turkey populations. We have volunteers there that are helping us deliver our mission, and it is through their efforts that this is all possible. Um, and just kind of wanted to get on to the, you were talking about how we're a national organization, but we're also, we, we truly are a federation. And that kind of goes to that where we have, um, we have state chapters in, in all states, but we also have local chapters and they work in unison and, uh, they raise funds that they're able to allocate to projects that are meaningful to them and their regions. Um, so it's really an awesome, uh, framework that we have that allows our volunteers to work in unison with our biologists like John and, uh, and state agencies and federal agencies that are just able to make a huge impact on the landscape. Um, and so yeah, we're, we're, we're just steamrolling along. We're really excited that, uh, that we, we're celebrating 50 years, but like I said, we're looking back, but we're also looking forward because there's a lot of good stuff happening.
5: Well, you, you mentioned your accomplishments over the past 50 years. We're talking with David Glakowski, who's a spokesman for the National Wild Turkey Federation. Um, we've heard of the Wild Turkey Federation, um, but not everyone in Missouri knows uh, what you're up to here in this state, and I say up to in a good way. And I also want to find out more, you know, that people who aren't hunters don't know that hunters are important to the conservation of a species and their habitat. So tell me about how hunters make this happen and then tell me some of the the neat stuff that you do, you know, in Missouri.
12: So when you buy uh, a firearm or you buy ammunition, there's a there's an excise tax on that that the manufacturers pay and that money is eventually allocated to the US Fish and Wildlife Service and then that is distributed to state wildlife agencies in proportion to the number of license sales but it really puts conservation efforts in the hands of these people who are out here buying these licenses and who are out here buying sporting gear and going out a field um you know and they're not just benefiting the game species that they're that they're seeking they're also benefiting the overall ecosystem through these conservation projects so what we do for wild turkeys helps white-tailed deer but also helps pollinators and it just goes way beyond the scope of just the game species it really is on an ecosystem level and uh in that vein you know that's why we're always trying to get people that's why the nwtf is just about just as much about conserving a wild turkey as we are about getting new hunters to field and preserving America, North America's hunting heritage, because without the hunters, these conservation efforts that are happening all over would not, not be nearly as, uh, at the scope that they're happening at. And, um, and so it, it's really, you know, one of our sayings we say is healthy habitats equals healthy harvests. You know, I talked about the nine million dollars that we've allocated towards wild turkey research, the one, over 1.5 million new hunters that we've helped, uh, that we've recruited, the over 22 million acres of wildlife habitat that we've done uh, over the last 50 years. But we also have set some really ambitious goals for us to accomplish just this year in 2023 for our 50th anniversary.
5: David Gladkowski, you've talked about what you've done in the past 50 years, but obviously you're honoring your 50th anniversary. Are you, are, where, where do you go next? What does the Federation need to do and what do you, what kind of goals do you have set?
12: Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're looking towards the future. Um, and we've set some very ambitious goals just to accomplish this year. Um, that will be unprecedented for us, but with our through our volunteers and through our staff and our partnerships, we're steamrolling towards these goals. So I'll, I'll just kind of list them right here. But uh, one is reach 250,000 adult members. Two, raise $500,000 for critical wild turkey research to address uh, new questions that are being raised in wild turkey ecology, but then also address that declines that are happening in certain regions. Three, we wanna positively impact 1 million acres of critical wildlife habitat in just this year. Four, we wanna dedicate $1 million to education and outreach programs. Five, we wanna raise $5 million to modernize our IT infrastructure and invest in the organization's people. That's our volunteers, that's our staff. Um, we want to make it to where our people are able to deliver a mission on, on a scope that that makes a huge difference. Uh, and then six, we want to raise $5 million to build toward a $50 million endowment, which all these combined are super ambitious, but, uh, the energy that we've created, we just had our national convention, um, in Nashville and we had more attendees than we've ever had. We've had more exhibitors than we've ever had and people that, uh. Bleed the NWTF mission. They're just charged up as ever. And, uh, and I think John can speak to this to the folks in Missouri as well as what I've seen throughout the country. People are fired up and and we're, we're steamrolling towards these goals.
5: What do you think is the, you you say people are fired up. What do you, what do you think it is? Was it after COVID where we've just been siloed in our own places? Is it, what is it that has really sparked this growth in, in, not only the Wild Turkey Federation's mission, but just, you know, outdoors and hunting.
12: Yeah, I I think it's a little bit of everything. You know, people were were, were stuck inside, um, but also a lot of, we actually had record numbers of people, new people getting a field. Um, And so I think it's the energy built with that, uh, new people learning how to hunt. Um, And like I said, our volunteers are just so passionate that this is what they live for. So they are just fired up. And I think just having the The 50th anniversary all the reflecting that we've been doing and looking how far we've come i mean the wild turkey restoration story is one of the greatest uh conservation stories in america the bird was almost eliminated from the landscape and then just through collaboration innovation blood sweat and tears i mean it it is thriving you know we're experiencing declines uh and certain pockets here and there but for the most part the bird is rebounded and huntable in 49 states And so that's just a remarkable story. And I think that just reflecting on the last 50 years, the NWTF's involvement in that that story has just got people fired up like never before.
5: In the past 50 years, the Wild Turkey Federation, which you're a spokesman for, I want to reintroduce your David Gladkowski of the National Wild Turkey Federation here on Show Me Today. It grew actually from... Uh, I guess being in South Carolina, there's a small town in South Carolina where the headquarters was, but it grew and had been growing and and grew very quickly into every state.
12: Yeah, yeah. So we were founded in Virginia originally, and then uh, they relocated to Edgefield, South Carolina, where they established a headquarters, and that's where we still are headquartered. But, you know, wild turkeys inhabit all of America. So this, from the get-go, it's my understanding that the wild turkey – National Wild Turkey Federation was created to to bring the bird back on a landscape scale across the country, and, and that's what we did. We worked with state agencies across the country from the very beginning, and just through the nature of that, you know, we grew in all states and uh, and have you know formed a federation. We have volunteer just a huge network of folks across the country, um, and and it's been like that since the inception.
5: But you're growing a presence um, in different places and, and uh, you know, reaching out into, you know, different parts, including Missouri, which I guess we'll hear more about later.
12: Yeah, yeah, no, I I want to say from the very beginning, we've, we've had, uh, as some people say, tentacles in, in almost all states. And, and that just grew over time to where we just have these, these really great partnerships in place in, in all states. But from the very get-go, that was kind of the framework of bringing this bird back, um, across the country. Show me today.